listening to Pet Candy. Hey, pet parents, welcome to Bees and Queens. I'm your host, Caitlin Palmer. This show is brought to you by Petsy. Get instant access On my to show, veterinary we talk professionals to pet when you need and them. discuss the Download quirky Petsy and wonderful today. world of pet care. Today, I am very excited to welcome Dr. Lisa Fox. Dr. Lisa graduated from the Ohio State University College of Veterinary Medicine in 2009. She worked for nine years at her family's conventional medicine practice, successfully incorporating holistic care into day-to-day appointments. She started her love of holistic medicine in vet school, and after nine years, she started her own mobile holistic veterinary clinic, the Divergent DVM LLC. She's taught courses in suicide awareness, iridology, and holistic veterinary medicine, and she feels that you're never done learning. I have to agree with that. Well, welcome, Dr. Lisa. Thank you for joining me. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm well. Thank you. How are you? Very good. Is it cold where you're at? Yeah, it's pretty cold and windy right now, so you'll probably hear the wind chimes in the background at some point. Oh, that's okay. I'm at the vet clinic, so you'll probably hear a dog screaming at some point. That's our lives. It happens. So tell me, so you are a holistic veterinarian exclusively pretty much. Yeah, my main clinic, so the Divergent DVM is a mobile holistic clinic. So I actually took an RV and uh, remodeled it into my holistic clinic. And so I do acupuncture, Reiki, aromatherapy, Chinese veterinary herbal therapy, Chinese food therapy. I do iridology, which is a study of irises as it pertains to the map of the body. I do a lot of different holistic modalities. So homeopathy as well. So. Sure. Okay. So I, I introduced it as iridology. It's iridology, which makes more sense because the iris. You can say it either way, but yeah, it's iridology, iridology. But yeah, I have my master's in that from humans, um, from the school of Trinity School of Natural Health. So sure. So iridology is you study the the eye, the iris of the eye, and it kind of maps out the body. So that's fascinating, and it sounds like something like a magic thing. So t- tell me about iridology. What 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 is that? Really interesting. Um, a lot of clinicians believe that it's pseudoscience, but if you look at it in the view that when we're developing as an embryo, the eye is one of the first things to form with along with the neural tube. So your iris and your eye is actually connected via embryology to all of the other tissues in your body. And so the founder of iridology actually, as a little kid, saw an owl that had broken its leg and saw a corresponding lesion in the iris. And he started studying that and mapping out different lesions and different irises. And it's super interesting because I don't use it as like a diagnostic tool, but I use it as kind of an additive tool. So I wouldn't directly diagnose something with a lesion that's on the iris, but If I can't figure out what's going wrong with an animal, it does give me a direction to look at, especially in horses. They've got a lot of gut abnormalities. So area around the pupil is the gut health. Um, So it'll let me look at that. Uh, My father, I actually diagnosed six months before he was diagnosed with esophageal cancer um, with a lesion in the part of his eye that corresponds with the esophagus. And it's called a Medusa lesion. So it looks like an upside down jellyfish. And it's actually a 
precancerous lesion. That's so cool. I mean, it's not cool that he had cancer, but that's so cool that you were able to to find that and diagnose it. And that's so cool. Yes, it sounds like something that's made up. Like it sounds like that's nah, there's no way. But that's so cool. Now tell me, does it work with both eyes? Like, or do you look more at one eye or does it have to do with the side of the body that the eye's on? Uh, there's a different map kind of for each eye. So there are some organs that fall on each eye, but some organs that are only on one half of our body and not the other, um, liver, like liver is on both sides. Spleen obviously is sometimes just, you know, is just on the one. So you see different organs and different, different eyes. So there's a lot of overlap between the eyes, but you can definitely tell, you know, what's on each eye. The other thing is colors of the eye. Um, are different. So like blue eyes, uh, we call them the lymphatic eyes. So a lot of people with blue eyes have more issues with their lymphatic system, with fat accumulation, stuff like that. It's me. I'm blue eyes. (laughs) I'm green eyes. I have hazel eyes and technically hazel eyes isn't even a color. Um, The only two colors are brown eyes and blue eyes. And so hazel eyes are a mixture of the two. And so we're called uh, hepatobiliary And then there's hematogenous, which is your, your brown eye. And so we all have different issues based on what the color of our eye is. And it kind of makes sense because genetically that's transferred to us. So obviously other genetic issues would be transferred to us on that same, same gene. So that makes a lot of sense. It's, it's fascinating. And then tell me about like acupuncture. I know you use a lot of acupuncture in your. Yeah, I do a lot of acupuncture. Um, Acupuncture as a science is pretty much you're using the body's pain response to stimulate a response in a certain area to kind of reset the responses in the body. So uh, each acupuncture point is either a specific placement or it's a specific nerve vein artery complex that we're using. And so they're all along meridians on this map of the body. So if I'm talking about a point that's called stomach 36, that's actually on the knee. So stomach 36 is a great point to get animals like up and walking again, um, to get them moving a little bit more. Uh, It's a great local point for the knee. So we're bringing inflammation to the knee to try to fix some things that are wrong with the knee. But it's also a good point for nausea and indigestion. And Acupuncture kind of goes along with the whole concept that embryology states that all of our tissues are once one and all of the points you can look at where they are near the spinal cord. And so that specific linkage from the spinal cord to that organ um, actually kind of correlates with that acupuncture point. It's really interesting. We'll be right back with more Pet Candy. If you love your pet as much as I do, you need Petsy. It's a free app that you can download in the App Store, and it is amazing. For only $20, you can talk or video chat with a veterinary professional immediately, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. When you have questions about your pet's health, just Petsy it. Download the app today. It is. I know when I I hurt my back so bad one time and when I'd gone to the college, not the college, (laughs) I was in college. When I went to the chiropractor, they were like, oh, because your neck is whatever's wrong with your neck. I'm like, but that's making my back hurt. And it was. It's 
so cool. It's like those little spinal posters they have with all the points and the pressure points and those little bracelets that keep you from getting seasick that they actually work. It's like, what? There are so many different points. And I talk a lot to my patients because I tend to see some of the same stuff over and over again with my acupuncture patients, mainly because it's a lot of animals that are on dry food. I have a a big, big problem with dry food. Um, I didn't when I was a conventional vet, but now that I'm a holistic vet, I definitely have a problem with it. And um, I've kind of evolved that over the years, but we have a lot of moisture deficiency in our animals because we're feeding them dry food. That's only 12% moisture versus what they should be eating, which is about 70% moisture as like a small rodent or, you know, a meal that way. And so when I see moisture deficiency in my acupuncture patients, I'm always testing their pulse. So we do pulse diagnosis and one side will be less than the other side. um, And that's the moisture side. And then the points that I use usually correlate more with increasing moisture and getting moisture out to the periphery, which is why we see so many like allergic dogs with that low grade itch. Dogs really shouldn't dream at night. That's why actually human females dream a lot more than human males because we are clinically blood deficient um, and moisture deficient as, as females. And so we dream more vividly, we dream in color and uh, most males tend to not dream that way. And so dogs that run in their sleep or yip and bark in their sleep, that's a moisture deficiency. I see a lot of dogs that eat grass all the time uh, that are grazers. They're trying to cool off their body because they don't have enough moisture and heat. So there's a lot of different things that I see that go along with the eating of dry food. So we have to work on the acupuncture to get that more well-rounded. And then we have to work on the, the diet as well. So. Sure. How do you restrain an animal for acupuncture? I'm, I'm picturing my little panzer and he's so bad, like just for his annual stuff. How do you, how do you restrain him for that? It's just me. So I don't have a technician um, in my holistic clinic. I don't have receptionist or anything there. It's literally just me. Most of the time, you know, they'll kind of just, I have in my RV, I made the bed that was the mattress in the bed. We took the mattress out and I have my acupuncture pads up there. And so they jump up there like it's a couch and lay down. They have pillows and everything. And the owner sits right with them and we'll do acupuncture. Uh, today, my one client, she's this little itty bitty tiny dog. She wanted to lay on the actual couch instead of go back to the bed. So she just laid on the couch next to her mom and I did acupuncture on her. But the needles are like hair like. So, I mean, you can like literally bend them over. And so they don't even mind them at all. They don't seem to care. Occasionally you'll get a point that's a little hot that they, you know, don't like as much, but most of my patients just lay down and just let me do it. I mean, I've done cows, horses, goats. They don't seem to care either. So. Sure. Do you do any kind of chiropractic stuff or is it I don't do chiropractic yet. Um, And technically in the veterinary world, we're supposed to call it a veterinary spinal medical manipulation instead of chiropractic. We're not allowed to say chiropractic, but um, that's all right. I always call it chiropractic. Layman's term, chiropractic. We can relate to that. (laughs) So um, I'm actually going to start taking a class in February for equine spinal manipulation. So hopefully by July, I will have my quote unquote chiropractic in, in equine. Oh, nice. I, I imagine a horse popping its neck is so satisfying. I can only imagine the sounds it makes. It sounds so good. <laughs> yeah, I'm learning a little bit about it now because I'm actually in a sports equine rehab class in Florida as well from the T University. 
And so we are learning a little bit of spinal manipulation with that, as well as some use of some really neat instruments like uh, vibration plates, infrared technology, lasers, all of that. So, Sure. Is it the same as like, say, the, the K laser they use after surgery sometime? Is it that same type of laser, laser therapy? Yeah, kind of. Um, it, it, there's um, type, usually type three and type four lasers. Same ones for therapy, um, decreased inflammation that you, you know, have to wear glasses around. My laser that I use currently is a super pulse laser. So I don't have to use glasses around it, but it works amazingly. So I use it. Mine has blue light technology. So blue light is inherently antibacterial, antifungal. So I use it in ears a lot. I use it for wounds. Oh, gosh, that's the most popular thing we see. And I know pet parents, too. It's just the most popular thing is ears and skin and just allergies and itching and stinking and real. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, what I tell parents is um, when you have a moisture deficiency in an animal, think about canoeing down a river and you get to a point where it's very, very low moisture. So that's your dog with a low moisture content. Um, We're supposed to be 70% moisture as animals. So you have a low moisture content you're still sailing this canoe around and now you have like little pools of water instead of a nice stream and your bottom of your canoe starts rubbing against the bottom. So you're getting friction. Friction causes heat. Heat causes more of those stagnant pools. And so you get your damp heat ears. So those ears that are nasty red have lots of dampness and gook in them. That's damp heat. That's from the blood not being able to flow correctly. You get your damp heat, uh, pododermatitis the big, huge um, interdigital cysts. We get lots of those anal gland issues. That's all damp heat. A lot of the low grade itch is from dampness and dryness. If you look at all those dogs, almost all of them dream at night and almost all of them have fine flake, low grade dandruff. And if you look at the paw pads on a lot of those animals, the paw pads, according to one of my clinicians that I absolutely positively love, my integrative clinician, your paw pads are supposed to be like fine Corinthian leather. So they're supposed to be nice and soft and not rough at all. And a lot of our animals are coming in with very rough paw pads and that's from lack of moisture. Sure. Sure. The dry calloused feet, you know, (laughs) that's so cool. What about, so I read about veterinary aromatherapy. Yeah, I do aromatherapy as well. Um, It's scientific based because All of our aromatherapy products that we use are medical grade. So they're actually biologically active aromatherapy. Your perfume grades are technically dead aromatherapy. They're dead essential oils. They don't really connect with the brain as well as your biologically active ones do that are medical grade. And so what happens is the nose is so closely connected to the brain that that smell actually changes chemicals in the brain and can help with the body in that manner. So there are, uh, helichrysum is an amazing essential oil that you can use to stop bleeding. Uh, it can be sprayed on bleeding wounds. It has a chemical compound to stop bleeding. Um, it can be used internally if needed. There's peppermint, which most people have used in things like menthol, icy hot, the things that you put on your muscles. So it actually has that that permeating ability to calm your muscles down. There's frankincense, which is an actual essential oil, and it 
can actually bring oxygenation to the brain. So a lot of conventional clinics have that in their clinic for um, anesthesia type issues where you just rub it on the, the hard palate and it can bring more oxygenation to the brain. So there's a lot of different essential oils that I use in different manners, whether it be olfactory, so smell, or if we use it as touch as a chemical compound or even orally. And um, dogs and all of our animals have so much hair, so many hair follicles per square inch that the essential oils actually track down the hair and get into the body. So it's really interesting that way. And I have a lot of clinicians that I've talked to and a lot of pet parents that use essential oils for things that may not have an actual treatment in conventional medicine, um, like stomatitis or gingivitis in cats. Oh, sure. One of my cats had that so bad. Oh, it was awful. Since cats groom themselves all the time, you can put the essential oil on the cat in a petting method and the cat will groom it off of themselves and get it to the gums where they need it. Does it smell bad? No. The one that I use a lot is a blend from an actual veterinary friend of mine who all she does is aromatherapy right now. And she runs a big aromatherapy company, but she tests all of her batches personally. It's a blend that smells amazing <laughs> and it's called Kitty Boost and you actually rub it on the cat. It's great. And it's really great for urinary tract infections, mouth infections. A lot of essential oils are very antibacterial, antifungal. I mean, if you think about it, these are the oils that the plant is creating to help itself stay alive against parasites, against bacteria, against fungus. We'll be right back with more Pet Candy. Hi, I want to tell you about my new show, Simply Pets with Shannon Gregoire. We talk about pets, life, love, and everything in between with the coolest people on the planet. Don't miss out on the fun. Check it out on a podcast platform of your choice. Sure, and medicine had to originate somewhere. You know, it had to, came from, from Earth. Yeah, well, I mean, aspirin came from willow bark. True, true. So it's kind of like, I know I use tea tree oil because I have dry scalp. So it's kind of that same. Same thing. Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna butcher the pronunciation. Is it Reiki, R-E-I-K-I? Yep, you got it. Reiki is an energy medicine. So it has to do a little bit with the fact that the whole entire, I'm trying to explain this in like a non-voodoo-y way because Reiki in itself kind of has more of a voodoo content to it. And in my book, I mean, I know I touched on the voodoo that I do, but, you know, kind of witch doctory here, but. <laughs> it, it does sound like a witch doctor, but in the best kind of way. I mean, that is a compliment. I love it. It sounds like the potions shop. It's so cool. But yeah, a Reiki is working with the energy fields around animals or around people and being able to kind of connect with those energy fields. And so what they've kind of figured out is, and we talk about it a little bit when we talk about grounding is a lot of our patients and people have not, you know, just gone outside and stood in the grass with their bare feet. That's what grounding is, is, is standing outside barefoot, your, your body connected with the earth. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And what that is, is you're actually connecting with the electromagnetic field that's on the earth that you're not getting through buildings. 
and through shoes. So you're actually connecting with that electromagnetic field. And what they've shown is when people are doing Reiki, you are manipulating the electromagnetic field around that person. So some individuals can feel a little bit more than other individuals. So you can feel a tingling sensation. I can feel cold spots that have areas of less flow over people. And you kind of just keep your energy there until your electromagnetic field kind of heals their electrical magnetic field. It's a little bit more on the voodoo side, but it does have a scientific background to it. And it's very, very calming. I use it with my aromatherapy techniques. I use it with other techniques and it is very calming. So, Sure. Well, I mean, it sounds similar to meditation, you know, and a lot of us meditate. It's just a way of coming back to center and remembering your origin, where you come from. And but yeah, it's, it's like meditation. It really does help and bring you back to center for years because I've struggled with anxiety and depression. So for years, my doctors have been like, you know, try meditating, try exercising, try these natural things. And I'm like, no, just give me a pill. I don't want to work for it. <laughs> yeah, that is the thing about holistic medicine is it does work a little bit slower. <laughs> so, But I have to say some days, you know, when you're at work or you've been fighting with family or friends or husband or wife or whatever. And sometimes if you just go sit and do a five-minute guided meditation, everything just kind of comes. It does. It really does. It all just comes back to the center. And then you're able to be like, I got this. <laughs> and then you can just go do whatever. So you just need a little, it's a little break for your brain, you know. So a hot topic right now, and not the store. By the way, I miss hot topic. I wish we had one near here. Is... <laughs> Oh, lame. We Our nearest one is like five out, not five hours. It's like an hour away, but it feels like five hours away. I need, oh, I need to go to Hot Topic. I've been like reverting in my brain. I'm like, oh, emo stuff. And I'm like, no, I am 30. <laughs> I need to be a grown up. I'm 37 and my favorite coat is still from there. So nice. Yes. Yes. So tell me about CBD oil, because every now and then someone will ask us at the clinic, and we're just a more traditional vet clinic, but they'll ask about CBD and we're kind of like, you know, there's no study saying it hurts anything. There's a lot of new stuff going on with CBD and they've actually found an endocannabinoid system. So there is a system of molecules within our body that is responsive to cannabinoids that are kind of already in our body. And they found that as we age, those cannabinoids inside our body get less and less. They've actually kind of contributed. Some of this can be towards uh, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's disease. A lot of the different nerve-based diseases and, and mental-based diseases run on the endocannabinoid system. And so when we use CBD without the THC, so you don't need the, the high component to it. Right. CBD oil is not marijuana. It's just the oil. Right. Right. Yeah. They've actually found, even in some of these epilepsy cases, that it's the CBD and the cannabinoids in there that you're actually replacing your own cannabinoids with. And that's why it works really well. Now, saying that it's not a cure-all. Sure. But it does work in a lot of different cases. So, Because I've even seen where they make CBD chews for pets, for anxiety and for joint health. And so it's not going to hurt anything. It's definitely worth a shot, you know, worth trying. I don't usually sell it myself as a clinician. I have a company 
that actually calls and talks to my clients about it and they sell it to my client. So it's kind of a little bit of a roundabout way, but it's a trusted company. And so it's a lot better that way for what I can do. So you are a third generation vet. So your family has always worked traditional Western. You go to the vet clinic, you get antibiotics, you get shots, whatever. So what what made you want to branch out? Like what, at what point did you decide, hey, you know what? I'm going to take this little different route. The owner wanted us to do everything and anything that we could do to fix that cow. And so we ended up bringing in the acupuncturist from the small animal field. Unfortunately, the cow didn't make it. But what happened is she put in acupuncture points and this cow immediately fell asleep and just looked more at ease and, and calm. And from that point on, I pretty much followed that clinician around like a little lost puppy dog. And I was like, please teach me, teach me what you, you need me to do. So that started my love of holistic medicine because holistic medicine is just an umbrella. So everything under that is, you know, acupuncture and, and all the different things that we can do. And so I started getting interested in that, ended up getting my diploma in Chinese veterinary acupuncture or, or certified in veterinary acupuncture. That led me into this kind of rabbit hole of uh, Chinese, uh, traditional Chinese medicine, herbals, it led me in all these directions. And so I just continue learning more things and it's so interesting. And, and as a clinician, I just got tired. It seems like everything we treat is like, here's an antibiotic, here's a steroid, you know? I, and I got so tired of that. And, and it, it got so disheartening when my patients had the same exact issues, but one of them wasn't responding to the antibiotics and the steroids. And in traditional veterinary or Chinese veterinary medicine, I know why both of them didn't respond properly. And it's because in conventional veterinary medicine, we look at everything as a disease. So we look at this animal has diabetes. So every animal with diabetes should react the same way with diabetes. And that we know that doesn't happen. In traditional Chinese veterinary medicine, we look at the patient and say, yes, this, this patient has diabetes, that's fine. But this patient has a moisture deficiency with diabetes, which is causing its diabetes. So we need to re-moisturize it as it, or this patient has too much moisture and too bad moisture, but it still has diabetes at the end. So we need to dry this one out and moisturize this one. And that's why they were responding differently to the antibiotics and the steroids because all of our conventional medicine have different dynamics and different ways that they react. Some dry dampness, some uh, give moisture. I mean, IV fluids in themselves. IV fluids are a what, what we call yin, which is a moisture. So if you have a patient that has too much moisture, so a kidney failure cat that actually has too much moisture, and you give them IV fluids, those are the IV fluid cats that don't do well with IV fluid, with kidney failure. And we see that all the time. We're like, it's more fluid. Why are you not doing well? Well, that patient maybe had fluid stuck in an area and energy stuck in an area. And so by us adding more fluid without clearing that whatever stuck, it's going to make that animal worse. It's just looking at our patients in a completely different manner as opposed to what they have. It's a animal that has a disease, not a disease that has an animal. Right. And you're looking at the whole pet too. You know, you're not just looking, you know, if, if I bring my pet in, oh, he's got itchy ears. It's like, you look at just the ears. It's like, no, you look at the whole dog, the whole cat, the whole, you know, whatever it is. 
Um, and they're all going to be different, just like people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I check the pulse and the tongue on any every animal that I work on. Um, tongue diagnosis in itself will tell you a lot about an animal, uh, whether the tongue is red or dry or wet or big or small. There's a lot of different things to it. So. We'll be right back with more Pet Candy. Hi, this is Shay, and I want to tell you about my new show on Pet Candy, Cooking with Shay. I make vegan eating easy and fun. Check it out on Pet Candy TV. Are there times where you still use Western or traditional medicine? In your, in your practice, like, are there times where you have to do antibiotics or surgery or shots or? In my mobile practice, because that I work with conventional clinicians, like all of my patients have to have a conventional clinician for emergency purposes or for blood work, lab work. Um, I work with that clinician, but I now part-time do wellness clinics. And so I do vaccine clinics, wellness clinics, and all of that is conventional. The only reason I bring up holistic in that is if I see an owner that I feel would benefit from it, that would actually do it because it does take a longer time. It's not something that's easy. Yeah. It sounds like it does take it time to fix whatever's going on. We can use it for emergency situations. There are some aromatherapies and some herbs um, that we can use to stop bleeding and things. But quite frankly, I'm not going to fix a laceration with an acupuncture needle unless I sew it together. So fleas or heartworm. I mean, I can, can't can use as many acupuncture needles as I need to stab every flea. So, you know, it's not going to treat that. <laughs> sure, sure. So it's not, you wouldn't be like, you are the sole veterinarian for this pet at all times. Yeah. So there's, there's a, a time and a place for all of it. And I think it's really interesting. Like I said, before this show, I was kind of like, oh, holistic medicine. I don't really know. I just don't know much about it. You know, it's just kind of like, oh, that kind of sounds, mm. but no, it's the more I've read on it and the more I've talked to you, there's, there's something there. Well, and if you look in your clinics, there are so many things that are actually holistic that people don't know that they're doing. Um, so a lot of our nutraceuticals, a lot of our things that have glucosamine and chondroitin in them, a lot of our even feel away, uh, some of the pheromone based things, but, you know, different vitamins, milk thistle for liver issues, all of that is under the holistic field and it's an integrative medicine, but so many conventional vets are using it that it's more mainstream now, um, but they don't understand that it is holistic. It is holistic medicine. That's fascinating. I love that. And in your book, you do talk about like plants as natural medicine and you actually went out to your pond and you picked out like five different plants and you're like, this is what I could use this for. And that was so neat. I'm going there tonight. I used to work as the track veterinarian at Northfield Race Park in Ohio. And those plants were actually found in the middle of the track at their pond. So, I mean, it's in the middle of a racetrack in the middle of a city. And I've got all those plants. So, And then before we go, you had you made a really good point about pets not having an expiration date. So, you know, you get a bad diagnosis. You know, you hear you have six months left to live and it's like, how are you going to spend those six months? And I thought that was really 
just eye opening. What would what what would you say to that for you know, people that may have gotten a bad diagnosis for their pet? All of our diagnoses as veterinarians, we're not gods, you know, and we don't want to be. I think in general, I, I don't want to speak for all of us, but I think in general, all of us hate when someone says, well, how long do you think they're going to live? We don't know. We have no idea. We can make you an educated guess based on clients that we've had before. We can make you an educated guess based on the things that we've seen in research. We can make you an educated guess based on how your dog or how your cat is doing. However, we can more than likely 90% of the time be completely wrong. A lot of vets will tend to over-exaggerate how long the animal has because they want the owner to feel better about it. Some of them will underestimate it because they don't want the owner coming back, you know, after a certain amount of time and saying, well, we only had this long with them. We don't know. So your pet doesn't have an expiration tag on it that we can read that says, oh, your pet's going to die on this day. You could have a, a an animal with terminal cancer that, you know, maybe we treat holistically, maybe we treat integrative and the tumor looks horrible and the, still the, the pet has a quality of life that is great. And technically that animal could go out and get hit by a car tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen in that. Um, you know, we could have a, an animal that may be presented and we can't figure out what's wrong with it and it dies in three days. So for me, when people ask me, well, how long do you think that they can live with this? I always say, as long as you feel that their quality of life is good. You know, if you need them around for a little while, then spend your time with them, give them the best quality of life during that time period that you can, and realize that euthanasia is on the table because we owe it to our pets to not make them suffer. So it's still there. And, and I always tell patients that, or clients that I don't often see animals that just pass away peacefully in their sleep. A lot of time, there's a lot of suffering before that. I hate that. You know, they told my dad that if he didn't have this surgery, he would only have two years to live when to get his esophagus removed. Unfortunately, he passed away after he got the surgery within two years. So to me, it was almost an anger at that clinician for giving him that expiration date. And you're like, if he wouldn't have done this surgery, would, have he, would he have lasted three years, four years, maybe longer? Who knows? But due to complications from the surgery and the cancer, he passed away within those two years, even having the surgery. And I think human doctors are a little bit more apt to give that expiration date based on a clinical guess. And it really bugs me because I'm like, say in the studies that I've seen or in my life, I've seen people live this long. But don't say you only have six months to live. We'll be right back with more Pet Candy. Pet Candy Radio delivers world-class content with engaging voices and inspirational messages curated by a network of top influencers and experts. Stream 24-7 at MyPetCandy.com. 
Oh, that gives me anxiety just thinking about it. And then once it's said, if you told me, Caitlin, you have six months to live, that's to me, that's etched in stone at this point. <laughs> you know, like that's it. That is what I have left. No more, no less. Like I'm going to go ride a bull. Exactly. Well, I'm only going to live six months anyway, so I'm going to go have McDonald's 12 times today. So. Yeah, I'm going to go wash that Big Mac down with a milkshake. Thank you. That sounds like a quality of life to me. I'm just saying. <laughs> so before we go, I, I and I, I feel like it's so important to touch on it because you did mention you, you spoke on suicide awareness and prevention. And what would be your advice to any listeners that are having those feelings, that aloneness, that you know that feeling? Yeah, I've actually been there. I have not attempted suicide, but I have been up to that point. Um, I actually have tattoos on my wrist that read, today you are you that is truer than true. There is no one alive who is youer than you. Um, one of my favorite Dr. Seuss quotes. In veterinary medicine and in the veterinary field, so receptionists, technicians, assistants, um, we have the highest rate of of suicide out of all clinical professions nowadays. It's actually the highest. We were the second highest compared to dentists, but now we're the highest. Unfortunately, it has a lot to do with coming out of school, you know, $250,000 in debt. We get a lot of legal issues, but without the insurance backing us up because we're not in the human medical field. If I had a quarter for every time some client told me that I'm only in it for the money when I'm barely scraping by and trying to raise my family. There are people out there. There are hotlines. There are therapists. There's your family. There's your friends. There's people on the street that would rather listen to you tell them what's going on and what your problem is than giving your eulogy. So I always tell my friends, like, I don't care what time of the day it is. I don't care if I have to drive across the state to pick you up from a bar because you've decided that you're drunk and suicidal or whatever, I will come pick you up. Call me. I'm only ever a phone call away. Yep. Right. I teach my kids that. I have um, three bonus children and uh, my own. And, you know, I teach all of them that if you are ever in trouble, if you are ever in need, never feel that you need to give up. Always know that there's someone there. There's someone to talk to. We can get you help. There are so many different suicide hotlines. You can text different suicide hotlines now. Um, I know there's better help online. You don't even have to talk to people. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you can just text them um, and be there for them. And um, I know I've lost countless friendships over being too protective and too over the top when it comes to people telling me that they're giving up and they're done and they sound like they're going to commit suicide. And I have called mothers on their kids um, that are my age. I have called parents. And you know what? If it costs me losing your friendship, but you're still alive, then it was worth it. And I think that's what we need to know. And we need to crowd around our college students and our high school students and our middle school students. Because when my kid was in third or fourth grade, one of his friends tried to commit suicide as well in third or fourth grade. And so it's starting a lot earlier than we think it is. And, and we need to jump in there and assess these children and let them know and teach them that they are worth it and they are our lives and that they don't need to do something as permanent as in their life. 
Well, this has definitely been eye-opening, and I'm sure I'm sure all you lovely listeners have enjoyed too, because Dr. Lisa is great, and she's taught me so much today. Because I literally was like, I don't know, <laughs> I'm open to learning, but I don't know. <laughs> it's the witch doctor in me. Yeah, she's she's just the witch doctor. You know, if you've ever played fantasy games, read a fantasy book, like this is your like you got this. This is great. <laughs> So if our listeners want to check out your book, which is a very well-written, very good, very fun book, what uh, what is the title of your book? It's called Dr. Lisa's Animal Anthology, and you can find it on Amazon and Kindle. Awesome. And it's good. And it, was only, it wasn't expensive either. I don't know if it, that's... I think it's like $14.99 for the book and $7.99 for the Kindle. Yeah. Yeah, twenty four ninety nine. It's it's worth it at fourteen ninety nine. Yeah, no, it's it's a good. It's it was a good investment. It was a good read. It was fun. I was reading it. I was telling my husband, you can diagnose stuff with eyeballs. <laughs> he's like, he's like, go away. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite articles is so your pet is a chunk of muffin, and I do use chicken nuggets in there. So you know, if you have a chicken nugget thing, <laughs> so yeah. yes. And I, I I read that one as I was like laying in the bed, and I'm in my pajamas, like I'm absolute trash. Like I'm laying in the bed. I've got my pajamas. I've got my candy. I've got a soft drink. And then there's also like all my animals and they're begging. It's like a chip for you, which I'm like, oh, 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 oh. I mean, I didn't do that. <laughs> Don't scrap the straps, man. Right. Yeah. You know, people food is not some, some people food's okay, but we'll, yeah, that's a whole nother show. <laughs> and we'll link all this in the, you know, in the description, the, the, the link for your book and your socials, your um, y'all have a Facebook and all that good stuff. So we'll definitely post that. We'll be right back with more pet candy. Let's face it. We all love our pets and we want to do whatever it takes to keep them healthy and happy. When you have questions or problems, it's important to speak to someone right away who can help. That's why you should download Petsy, a free app that connects you immediately with credentialed veterinary professionals. Get help when you need it, 24-7. Get the peace of mind when it comes to your pet's health and download Petsy for free today in the App Store. You'll be glad you did. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Dr. Lisa. Thank you so much. Very fun. So, Well, that's going to do it for today. If you enjoyed it, please hit that subscribe button. See you all next week. And until then, remember, the best pet is the one you have at home. Pet Candy, it's Pet Candy Radio.